Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, David here and welcome to the ASOC Podcast. In this episode recorded live at ASTE 2022, Lucas and I discuss EVs and hybrids with Isaac Rodell, a manager with World Pack Training Institute's Alternative Fuels Program, owner of NC Auto Rescue, and an industry-recognized expert on alternatively fueled vehicles. Before we get started, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode, and make sure you check out our content on YouTube. And now, here we go. got me in trouble now david says that we need a producer to make sure that everyone has water can i have water for the talent the talent yeah. ah. isaac is now the talent he's the talent he's the he's the attraction yeah <laughs> otherwise it would just be me and you yakking back and forth there's no attraction it's repulsion but you know i'll take i'll take what i can get <laughs> um so i you know i i personally thought it was pretty cool that Paul Danner was in your class and he was like, dude, that kid is really smart. I'm like, you're just now figuring this out. Well, you know, I mean, when your perspective, if, if, if I'm compared to the rest of the short bus, there's only uh, I, perspective. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. <laughs> so what, what did, uh, what did you, what was the general consensus on your class? What the general consensus it was it was an interesting class because we had so many different perspectives there. We had dealer techs from Toyota. We had three Toyota dealer technicians that had been working on hybrids for over ten, 10 years. Right. Uh, then we had a couple people in there like uh, Paul himself that, that has very little hybrid experience. It's just not something that's been in the wheelhouse right. of their shop. And you guys both on you guys both on the shops. Your market's going to be full of hybrids. And yours is not going to be full of as many hybrids. You're in Kansas City, right? Oh, we have a ton. We have oh, really? a ton of EVs. Oh, yeah. Really? We are packed with EVs, hybrids, or chargers everywhere. Everybody's going bananas for it. It's crazy. So, a little bit surprised. Really? Kansas City's very, uh, very progressive Is with it? that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Progressive. You noticed the look on his face when he said that. No, no, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. That's when it leeches over into my neck of the woods that I go, <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> Uh, is that is that how um, how you judge your community? Like uh, 
there's there's way too many hybrids in my community. I need to move. No, I'm good with the hybrid. I'm a, I love EVs and and hybrids uh, to drive. The technology's cool. Yeah, I'm not super keen on the on what's required to build them or their the perception that they're exceptionally green or good for the environment. I think that's absurd. The so I actually had a discussion with somebody that works at the EPA because there's an EPA headquarters here in Raleigh, and so sorry. we will run into them. <laughs> Me too. The uh, but we'll run into them at local events, parties, right. things of that sort. And I had a discussion with a woman that worked at the EPA, and I was asking her. You know, Lucas and I both ran diesel shops. They still yeah. runs a diesel shop, but yeah. uh, I was asking her, man, do you calculate? How do you guys take into account when you're calculating what the emissions laws are going to be? Do you think about from pump to tailpipe, or no? Do you, you know? Do you go from well to tailpipe? No, they only go from wheel to tailpipe. Um, so when they're right. calculating everything, they don't calculate as their reduced life cycle of the vehicle. They don't right. count as their a uh, increased emissions because we have to create all of this def fluid, the manufacturing, the containers, right. the recycling. None of that infrastructure is taken into account when they determine anything emissions. So I, I'm with you completely. They're not calculating that in because there's no tailpipe. So the EPA is satisfied. Uh, that is not a the greenest solution out there. Hybrids are a much greener solution than a pure Hybrids, EV. Hybrids, yeah, yeah, than a, than a pure agree. EV, absolutely. But I mean, you you look at vehicles that are partial zero emissions. Normal combustion engine, they have just fine tuned this thing to the nth degree, and then stuck eighty five catalytic converters on it. And at this point, like for all intents and purposes, like. That thing's about as clean as you can possibly get without any of the drill. Like, you haven't added a battery to this thing. Or all of those rare earth metals and any of the production. And those are not clean facilities where all these materials are being produced in order to create this battery. Maybe the battery manufacturer is nice and clean. Right. But the companies that are creating the materials that are getting shipped to the battery manufacturer... They're not clean at all, and they're not subject to any of the laws here in this country. No. Because it's being produced overseas, where there are no laws for any of it, and they're dumping it all into the river, and all of the bunnies are dying, and everybody's getting poisoned, and they don't care. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to look at that. Right. So you can take a normal engine, a normal engine, and Ford was able to do it, and Subaru, I think Honda had a uh, had a partially emi- zero emissions vehicle, Toyota. Like all these manufacturers are getting these emissions to the point where they're like, this thing's clean. What's coming out of the tailpipe might be cleaner than what's going into the intake. Yeah. Yeah. But, and if you look and you pay attention, the catalytic converters have continued to get smaller and smaller and smaller. What does that mean? That means we have better fuel control in the combustion cycle. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're cleaning it up. You look at, I mean, look at the efficiency of modern diesels. Now, we could make something without a catalytic converter. That could operate on, uh, that could be an internal combustion engine, but it would require, it would need to be a constant speed, constant load application. Right. If we could get it to operate and say we have this 500 RPM range that we need to operate in, we could create clean combustion. But because we need to operate from 700 RPM to 7,000 RPM, the variable. then we need the catalytic converters, the fuels, the warm up cycle, all that. And that's where like uh, the battery, the hybrid portion of it would make sense to jump in there and say, hey, where we have higher emissions. Battery needs to kick in and, and do well, some of the work. Well, and even bolt-on solutions. If you look at the GM, I mean, not the GM, the Chrysler e-torque systems on the new Stellantis vehicles. Have you right. driven anything with an e-torque system yet? 
We've worked on a few. So drive a Hemi with an e-torque and then drive a V6 with an e-torque. It's fairly impressive. It's much. Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. It's more like a diesel towing experience. You're adding over 100 foot-pounds of torque at initial takeoff with a 48-volt system. No, no, no gloves required. It's below 50 volts. No special right. training is required. It's basically just a bolt-on 48-volt bass system. Right. Uh, that's going to be the future of vehicles. I agree. I agree. You really think so? Well, think about it. So, so what do we have to do if we but go you're looking at 50 it from volts? A, the, the problem, though, is that you're looking at it from a technology standpoint point and a practicality standpoint. You're like, well, this, this makes all the sense in the world because it doesn't require all this extra stuff around it. It's a bolt-on solution. But the politicians may not be looking at that. It's like, that's not a pure EV vehicle. Therefore... Look at look at California. They want to ban, or at least the legislation is being introduced that they want to ban all internal combustion engines. No, so if you look at it closely, it's not banned. There's the the social media hype got out there that yeah. they were trying to go full right. EV. If you look at it, everything has to be hybridized. It's hybrid or EV. No pure ice. Everything's a hybrid. What are they doing in like Norway and because Norway I thought was ice free twenty thirty five. Sure. So in countries like Norway or something, so I mean, we could make Rhode Island pure EV. Uh, you know, when you're talking a country the size of a state, sure. But in the United States, our, our over-the-road stuff is never going to be able to go right. pure EV with the battery technology well, that I mean, exists now. You look at their rail system, right? Their rail system is far more developed. Their other transportation opportunities are far more developed than what we have here. We have a different geographic challenge compared to what they have in some ways. I understand that. Because, again, you're looking at it from a practicality standpoint. But when you're trying to capture headlines and all you want to do is be the the politician that pushed this XYZ agenda forward and said, thanks to me, we now only have hybridized or EV or battery technology being pushed out. Like, they don't care. They don't care that they – you can no longer get your equipment from one side of the state to the other because you just <laughs> ban the one long haul type of truck that you know, they don't care. They're going like, hey, to Everything's $8,000 to buy. Why is that? It's like, well, we have to now produce it here where we couldn't 
before we shipped it in from this other state, but that all's been banned. They don't care. The, the, the unintended consequence, right? That they never thought of. And then it, I don't even know that they don't care. Right, right. It, it, <laughs> that's the thing. They want to know. Don't, don't. Right. I don't know. I don't want to know how you make the sausage. I just want the sausage, but not really. I just want to <laughs> announce that I made the sausage and then that's it. Well, I want out whenever, like, the infrastructure collapses. I want out. We, Look at the fuel shortage. You were telling me that here last year. Yeah, you it? remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Dude, that sucked. I got stuck down here. I came for a board meeting, and I'm like, holy shit, there is one station in this entire town that has gas. It was the one down there right next to the airport, right? Like, where you turn into park. And I'm like, I, and what did, what I did, can't get home. You look into all that. And what was contributing to 90% of it was, well, I can't sell you my gas or I can't transport gas from this state to that state because they have different laws. And it has to be mixed a certain way and it has to be this and it has to be that. And therefore, I've got plenty of gas here. Sorry, you're going to have to drive four and a half hours to get to the area of the country that's got plenty of gas. But because you guys have these like stupid laws that we just piled up on top of top of another one, top of another one, and every single new administration comes in, local administration, comes in and says, hey, we need to tack on this one more law because this lobby decided to dump a bunch of money into my campaign fund, and therefore I got to pass this thing. Otherwise, I'm not going to get reelected. So I had this extra law in there, and therefore they can't ship fuel from West Virginia into North Carolina two hours away or whatever and, and start feeding some gasoline to the local area. No, can't do that. It's illegal. Then what? We end up with everybody's got to those, go to this one gas station by the airport, and that, the line's, what, two miles long? I mean, it's yeah. just like some of the EV chargers. Look at the places where there's limited EV chargers, right. where there's superchargers. You have, uh, when you have EV shows or something like that, and you have lines of Teslas, but there's only one supercharger area available. Right. There was people in line for six to eight hours to charge their car. That's crazy. It's just those are the issues that we're going to run into. But in, in it, we're going to see a lot of changes in the next ten years. By the time the California legislation becomes actual law, and they're really forcing the hybridization, we'll have better technology. The vehicles will be at eight hundred volts. Uh, like if you look at the new H two, the H two operates at eight hundred volts, and it can right. separate down into two two, two into two four hundred volt packs, and it can actually charge another vehicle too. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. The H2's got some cool stuff, but right. GM also has to install 12,000-pound lifts in every dealer in the country because the dry weight of that vehicle is 9,800 pounds. Right. Uh, well, 9,800. You can't tell me that's not going to tear up some roads. No. well, the, There's already no, that much weight or more on them now. Service opportunity. Think of the service opportunities in suspension and tires. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, we're not doing oil changes, but I bet you it's going to need ball joints and tires a lot more. All-wheel drive, all that weight, but the 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 H2 is just the beginning. But at 800 volts is where we'll be able to get rid of some of that anxiety of, I can't fill up my vehicle. At 800 volts, we can actually push a lot of joules into that vehicle very quickly, but we're going to have to have chillers. So right now, it's the H2, commercial vehicles, city buses, things of that sort, right. and the Porsche Taycan. Those cars can charge fast. When uh, When I was working with a buddy of mine and he had a Porsche Taycan that he was testing, we could not find a charger that could charge as fast as the car could accept. Really? Well, when you say faster charge times, what does that look like? Under 10 minutes. 
to what, get to like 80% charge. Yeah. You, so w- when you, do you know much about lithium battery charging? I mean, just enough to not take a Note 7 onto a plane. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the lithium charge rate, so when you're looking at a lead-acid battery, it's basically linear charge rate to voltage. Yeah. Lithium is not like that. Lithium is only uh, about four-tenths of a volt different from unusable to usable. So your charge curve goes like this. It's basically flat. Then there's a little blip when it reaches full saturation. Then it comes back down. And if you miss that blip, you're oversaturating that battery. But that last little bit to get to that blip where the voltage peaks and comes back down and you're at full state of charge, Mm. that's where you have to slow everything down. If you charge it full DC current all the way up to max, you're greatly reducing the lifespan of that battery. Sure. Like all these guys that go out there and they they track their Teslas. Tesla will only let you do that so many times. Yeah. Uh, the Porsche is the only car that I know of that was designed to be tracked, fast charged, tracked, fast charged, tracked, fast charged. Uh, it's it's. But we're going to have some really interesting infrastructure challenges with electrification if they push it the way that they're claiming they're going to push. Sure. It. Uh, but but I mean the next administration even. Right, could take a completely different route with this. I think we're still going to see it. And I, I think we're to the point that it's not just the political influences pushing it. I think we're to the point that the manufacturers are pushing it now. And what we talked well, about that, it's not going to be the administration pushing it. It's going to be these ESG scores that these corporations want to hit. They want to hit that ESG score regardless of the of the administration's Absolutely. Priorities. I'm just saying at this point they've invested. If you came back and you made every change that you desire, at this point they've invested in it to the point that they've got. I mean, it's like you get halfway there. You might as well just go on, right? You're at the end of the the roller coaster line to get on the roller coaster. You don't just like decide like, oh, well, I'm stood here for three hours. I'm not going to get off now. You know. So, I mean, they've retooled entire factories. They've yeah. created new partnerships with, with battery manufacturers. I mean, there's... <clears throat> Regardless if it's politically forced on us or not, it's it's coming. Uh, yeah. But the nice thing is, is what's the average age of the car now? 12, yeah, 12, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. 12, 12 to 13 years. Right. And it's about every two years, it gets six months older, right? Right. So in 15 years, when that legislation becomes law, what's the average age of the vehicle? We'll call it 15 years at that point. So that right. means it's going to be the vehicles that were produced now. Right. So what does that mean? That means in 2050, when everything, after that next 15 years, um, we're still going to see hybrids. We're going to still see a bunch of it. So, right. so the people that are sitting there going, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to accept this new technology. Don't worry. You don't really have to accept it. It's going to well, be that, here till 2050. That, that was what I was getting ready to say is, is there's so many people, right? Like there were, there were folks taking the classes who uh, were really upset because they couldn't take all EV and all hybrid. And we're, we're, you know, they're saying, look, we're prepared for this. We're going to tool up for this right now. We're going to go right now. This is all we're going to do. Are we getting a, the cart in front of the horse here a little bit? Are we pushing this so hard because everybody wants EV? Everybody wants hybrid training. That's the number one requested training everywhere, right? Your class was full. Every EV class was full. Are we pushing it so hard? That we're getting the cart in front of the horse, right? Like we, there's guys that don't have basic knowledge, right? There's guys who aren't able to do the job they're doing now. Yeah. So I, I believe that the technician of the future, the guys who we're going to grow now, the people that we're going to be recruiting, the apprentices that we want, are not our traditional technicians. I agree. We need to look for the kid who was racing electric RC cars in high school and middle school. That's yeah. the guy who you want to grow in your shop. That's the guy who's a real future. He wasn't. He he got into it because he was in 
to the technology. He didn't get into it because a math teacher told him, you can't do calculus, go be a mechanic. Right. Uh, that's that's the mentality that, you know, we're, we're all working really hard to help change that. We have to change it in the public image. And right. then we have incidents uh, that, uh, like the news that got made in Pennsylvania or whatever, where the they were doing the bad inspections or whatever. Right. Uh, and then that brings us back down. Yeah. Uh, but what we have to do is keep pushing that forward. And the idea behind that is is these younger technicians grow them change them now putting the cart in front of the horse now honda released the insight in 1999 yeah before i had my driver's license yeah probably before you had your driver's yeah. license oh, yeah. probably about the same age yeah yeah uh you know so what it's god wow. that why i feel so old no nah, i mean it makes me feel old and like <laughs> what are you talking about you didn't have a license in 1999 no hey david it makes you feel like my daughter turns 16 next month yeah I'm now having not a child that is going to have her license. Actually, one of her, one of the cars that we used yesterday that we bugged was my daughter's car. Really? She has a hybrid. Her first car will be a Civic hybrid. Nice. Yeah, I bought it from a customer uh, that it was having inverter problems. Right. And I went to put a third inverter on it in six months. And I said, I can't stand behind this. I'll buy this car from you and I'll just right. absorb it. Um, because some of these problems can be extremely expensive to repair. Right. And what I would call unnecessarily. But you know, as far as putting the cart in front of the horse, though, no. These cars have been here for 23, 24 right. years. But do we need to have technicians in regular service positions taking apart high-voltage batteries? No. In no way should they be doing that. Right. Um, so in that sense, we're putting the cart in front of the horse. That's, that's more about learn the technology, have a deeper understanding of it, so that when you go to service something, you're not scared of it. It's right. not that we want you to take that battery apart or do any of that testing in the shop. Those are not the service opportunities that a regular repair facility would go after. Right. But they should have that education so that they understand the system, so that they have a better approach and that they're not intimidated by it. No one should be intimidated by working on these no, cars. I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and, and I think the situation is, though, is that, that a lot of shops are looking at this as an either or, right? And, and there's a lot of fear associated with it. Right. Like I hate to say that, but there's a lot of fear associated with the, the, the shops and they're look at how they respond in ASOG, right? You're in ASOG. You see it. Look at how they respond. They, they respond in a, in a, an aggressive way to the idea that we're going to have EVs. Some believe it's not going to happen. Some believe it's going to happen. They don't like it. Right. I, well, and most do, but there's some that don't. Well, and so we're, we're of the generation where don't ask me to set a carburetor. Don't do it. I'm right. It's not in my wheelhouse. Um, I, I might be able to pull it off my own personal vehicle, but if I ever offered that as a service, I'd be doing a disservice. It's not yeah, something that I'm saying professionally. Right. And so I think, but but for the people that grew up with carburetors, you know, a guy that can rebuild and set a quadrajet, yep. that is a very particular skill set that was very useful. Absolutely. And they probably were not as excited of the changeover to fuel injection. But that's all we're doing is changing over to fuel injection. We're right. just moving to a different technology. Now we're getting rid of probably 10% of the internal combustion engines over the next couple of years. But, again, 15-year age vehicles, we're not going to run out of work anytime soon. No. And the no service way. opportunities on these EVs are huge. Right. And that's I mean, what even people just need general service, right? Well, that, that's what people need to understand is that these advanced technology courses that we are offering are there to improve your knowledge. But these are not what we're telling you to service on these vehicles. They're still just regular maintenance. They're still just right. a car. It still has regular suspension. It has a battery that is very heavy that puts extra wear on that suspension. The cars are built to be as lightweight as possible. 
So what does that mean? That means we have small ball joints. That means we have electronic power steering racks that are sensitive to being curbed. Uh, there is nothing about replacing those components, though, that changes from a regular vehicle. Right. Right. Absolutely. I could hear that. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you could. Oh, you didn't get him a water. That's, that's old. I've had it for a minute. Okay. It's warm. You're a really terrible human Tepid. being. It's okay. Warm water is better for your body. It absorbs better. I heard that. I um, It's still gross. I don't like tepid water, room temperature water. I, I, this is this is rough for me. I don't like cold water. I only really? do room temperature. Really? I find that weird. I don't, My cross-country coach beat it into our head in high school. I don't know what that is. Was that like running or something? It's frolicking in the woods. <laughs> David should definitely know what that is. <laughs> Would you take him as a hiker? Like. Oh. He, yeah, only if we frolic hiked. <laughs> I'm not a hiker. I just enjoyed hiking that one time. It was great. Mountaineer. I don't know. There's Cleared my mind. Yeah, there's something about the edge of Pilot Mountain that just really gets me too. Pilot Mountain. What is that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Pilot Mountain's a mountain uh, not too far from Lucas, but it just yeah. is a straight. Literally level. straight up and down. <laughs> Literally straight Did up. You climb up Pilot Mountain. Well, no, there's a hiking trail, but yeah. uh, you know, oh, I mean, like around the back or whatever. Yeah. And then you get to the edge and you see the edge. Well, and it's where they uh, you, uh, there was a there's a fire site house on the top. It's where they did the fire yeah. lookout because you can see for probably what thirty miles yeah, from there at least. At least, at I mean, least. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's cool. It is, and and like I've been inviting him out and telling him, hey, come out, hang out with us, and see the new shop. But oh, you know, he freaks me he, out when he's like, "Oh, those parts of the mountain you don't go into because you may not come out. Them folks don't have electricity." Like, I've um, never said that. Um, yes, David, you just, have. You have absolutely told me that. Just so you know, I grew up with an outhouse. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. You know why? I will appreciate indoor plumbing more than most for the rest of my life. That's exactly right. Man, until it's really cold out and your butt cheek sticks to the wood, man, that's We were just talking to a listener from, he he was born in Guatemala. And I used to go to Guatemala when I was a kid. And, they, I mean, they have toilets. Those toilets are stone. And they are cold. And there's no, like, flushing mechanism. There's no, like, there's one faucet in the house. And it's in the middle of the patio, which is open air. Because, you know, if it's rain or it's hot, that's it. Right. And uh, so, like, you would bring a bucket of water in with you. And when you were done, you would dump the water in and it would go down the thing. And, and when it was time to shower, it was, like, warm up the water, boil it. Put it into the pot and then carry the bucket in, and that's how you that's how you bathe yourself. Crazy, yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Whatever. I mean, if it works, it works. <sighs> All right. So you and I, like a legit outhouse, you like didn't legit outhouse. So so, uh, my parents are they're not really minimalist, but we we uh, we grew up in a little four hundred square foot farmhouse in rural North Carolina and it was uh, it, it did not have a toilet. We had a two-seater outhouse. Uh, we had far side comics stapled all around the outhouse. Um, we had a plug-in coil heater for the winter 
Uh, so you know, if you had to go use the resty in the winter, and My, plug listen, it in first. And- <laughs> listen, none of the ones I was ever in had a heater in. I mean, it was it was a '50s plug-in heater that we just uh, had an extension where it wasn't like built into it. Okay, but, I was going to say because I ain't ever been in one that had a heater in it. No. So you guys know Zach yeah. when, when Zach was here and he was he was doing some work with us yeah. when he was still living in North Carolina. He was like, "Really?" So I took Zach out there. I took right. Zach out to the house I grew up and let him come see. The outhouse is collapsed in on itself on the inside, but the outside is still there. That's awesome. <laughs> but yes, Zach McLean has yeah. seen the outhouse. You, have you? <laughs> Have you ever seen an outhouse? Well, yeah. Get out of here. I'm just making sure. No, David only does glamping. I don't do any amping at all, okay? I don't do camping, glamping, nothing. None of that. This is an appeal to me. I I figured, like, we have houses and electricity and all that. Like, might as well just embrace it. Dude, we like in Dallas, right? Like, you, we tried to get him outside, and he's like, "But it's hot out there." I'm like, yeah, well, come on, let's go somewhere. It's air conditioned in here. Like, you, you want to see did some not out- come out of my mouth like that at all? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? like, hey, you tell him if he's gonna have to walk stairs. You want to see somebody get upset? <laughs> this cat gets upset over stairs. Yeah, like he will literally stand at the bottom of them like a dog that you gotta drag up. Like. <laughs> It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not. No, I'm fucking. I'll just stay down here. I'm fine. I'll so just, is it like a? It's just a pit. It was just a pit. Into yeah, the you ground. take it out. I probably have a picture I can show. No, you. that's okay. Um, but there was no like. No, not of what's in the ground. There was no, 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 no extraction of the the waste, right? Like, no, it's it ba- it's bacteria. You take yeah. bacteria and you put bacteria oh, okay. in there, and it, and it just and it eats it away yeah. like a septic yeah. tank. It doesn't smell at all. No, it's, it's. I mean, no smell at all. It's not. It's not like going and using a portage on or anything. It's. 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 You know, ten foot hole, uh, but the level stays way down. If the bacteria does what it's supposed to, it works great. I mean, yeah. work until we had modern plumbing, it worked for everybody, right? Yeah, and and the the only issue is like severe flooding. That's a bit of a mess, <laughs> you know. But. <laughs> That's never. Did you have an outhouse too? No. Then why are you talking like you know what the I had, I had, a, I had a lot of family hey, that had outhouses. But yeah. Okay, I've seen an outhouse before. No, no, that's hey, the, no, that's the that's outhouse. The outhouse. Oh, and in the woods like that too. Like, well, no, nobody's lived in that house for probably fifteen years. Oh, okay. I, you know, and we actually do have an outhouse, right? We've got one at Mystery Hill, so we have an. Do outhouse. you send your customers out there? And go oh, that would be a good idea. <laughs> It could be it could be a shtick thing like hey we don't have get the full mountain North Carolina experience there's the outhouse here's your corn no I mean for the most part my <laughs> shop is not in an area like that like you where the shops at is one thing you you get what 30, 40 miles out to either in either direction yeah you you get you get out in the sticks pretty quick there's spots up there that. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. That's why I don't come out there. You start, you're spot out there. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to find yourself there, right? Like, unless you just really piss me off and I decide to leave you there. I mean, okay, good point. Good See, here's, point. here's the thing. I, I uh, So I watch these, these like, 411 uh, documentaries, like these missing kids documentaries, and I'm just freaked out. Like, one of my kids are getting it get eaten by a bear or like you turn like that's the story it's like i was playing with little timmy and then i turned around timmy's gone and then we like then we start search for timmy and then we find timmy's shoe up in the top of a mountain or whatever and that's the last time we ever saw timmy again 
Timmy probably got eaten by a bear. Like a bear came and snatched him up, or mountain lion, or a bobcat, or something. You ever? Uh, so I think he's been watching too many false nature documentaries. You, on you, there, you have uh, you've well, bought into are, the these fear. are true stories. These are true stories, of, and, and they, they they'll tell you they're like true yeah, Hollywood stories. No, no, no. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but they'll talk about like there are patches all over the country where uh, these are national parks. People go in the to, to hike them and they, they don't come back out like you just never see that person again and that dude. i'm pretty sure i read that that was about a guy in alaska yeah i know right <laughs> that's a whole different ball game man that, that guy was gonna go live with the bears and and, and he did for he a did. long time actually he did a couple years i think yeah right? dude and, and that, i mean that's a different kind of bear than the bear we got yeah. like the bear we got like comes up and it like kind of waggles its tail at you and it bounces into you and then it growls and it walks off i mean it, it's how not, big is that bear that you're talking about 300 400 pounds yeah. yeah, black bears. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a big bear. No, it's a big dog. Yeah, I mean it's like a big <laughs> dog, dude. Seriously, they're they're not like that. I mean, you you don't want to be feeding them and stuff. Brian but- Pollock comes at me like that. I'm going to get freaked <laughs> out. Okay. <laughs> if he just completely covered in black hair and has a snout and goes <laughs> like. I'm not going to be like, oh, that's a big dog. No, that is a big animal coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Polly just figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. No, I mean, the, 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 she, one of the, the people, the uh, one of my friends in high school, she hit a black bear up, yeah. in, up in Boone. I mean, it's like, you, and it didn't even break the car. I mean, a deer yeah. does more damage than some of oh, the yeah. bears. Yeah, for sure. Not Deer's also long. a little bit higher on the car, too. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. I'm just saying, that thing, that thing will eat you. And no, Bobcats, no, unlikely. Like it, would, it, would, it would like your trash more than you. Yeah, it doesn't uh, want anything to do with you. Now, Black bears, yeah. Bobcats, <laughs> Bobcats won't even mess with you, right? They, they do not want to be around you. The one thing that I will tell you is fairly aggressive wildlife in North Carolina the turkeys, man, they are mean. Yeah, and geese, turkeys yeah, and geese. geese. Yeah, well, turkeys are supposed to be pretty aggressive and like. When you're driving from St. Louis into Illinois, they walk on the side of the, the interstate. Wild geese, just, or uh, turkeys. Yeah. Big old fat turkeys. I had one fly in a car with me one time. That was that was not good. Did not <laughs> I heard that it. they're not very good either to, to eat wild turkeys. They're, they're super gamey. It's it's not the turkey that you expect. Yeah. Now, you have to brine it for sure. So I, you had, I had a turkey in the car on, on 666. My brother had a turkey come out of a tree and it came through the windshield of the 89 Accord, blood everywhere. Oh my, my brother God. was like, God tried to smite me on this day and I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. God help us. Um, so one of the other things that I want to talk about with you is you and I had a fairly similar career path up until what, four, has it been four years? That's probably a little bit longer. Yeah. So we had a very similar career path. You were shop owner. Yep. Right? And so we probably started around about the same time. Right? So I entered the automotive industry professionally uh, in 2008. Right. And it was a terrible time to enter this industry. Yeah. And so within 18 months, I owned a shop. Because not because I was better than anybody else, but it was out of necessity because there were no jobs. The best job that I could find in this area was I was doing roadside tractor trailer work. Right. uh, On call, basically 24-7 for $13.75 an hour as a 1099. That sounds awful. 
It was awesome. I learned what the medium and heavy duty industry did for mobile. And I applied that and I was a mobile repair guy uh, when, when I started in. Right. And that was uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. That was a rarity. But I saw the future and what services were going to be offered and where the industry would go. But it came from the fleet side. Right. Well, and so we've we've had multiple talks over the years that if the training and the things that had been available now were available when you were still running your shop, that it would have been a different experience for you. Share kind of what you because we've talked about this quite a bit, right? Yep. So it was actually this event that really changed. We sat in a CTI class together. We sat in a diesel yep. class together, and we yep. were kind of like, ah, there, there's some information we wanted to have a discussion about after yep. the class, and we kind of hit off. But yeah, it was it was. Uh, I was given an opportunity because I opened my shop so early to change my shop to a better location. I had a friend who owned a, a business, and his David's going to like this. It was an adult store. But a couple's friendly, Adam and Eve style adult store. But he has right. this warehouse, and he goes, hey, I have this warehouse. Do they have non-couples friendly adult stores? Yes. Lots of them. <laughs> Lots of them. I don't, what's is, the, I don't, I don't get it. They're, okay, so. They're so, just appealing to the lonely guy, and. Yes. Uh, they, they the, have, the, the couple's friendly adult store is a nice, well-lit, welcoming atmosphere. It's not dingy. It's not gross. It's not what you think of when you hear the word adult store. Right. Uh, David's more of the adult bookstore kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. No, David likes. I, David goes by the ones sense. that has the signs on the interstate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Lions that. That's all I can. And the like. movie watching booths in the back, yeah. right? So, like this place, this Ooh. place that this guy owned. There's no movie watching booth. It's very couple friendly. But anyway, so he goes, "Hey, I have this warehouse, but the zoning laws where I'm at don't allow anybody to put a sign on anything that's not their part of the lease building. So this warehouse faces a parking lot." And I said, "Hey." I, I'm a fleet business. I can deal with no signage or public right. view. And so I took this opportunity. The overhead was pretty high because I didn't know what I was doing. I do not come from a business background. My, my parents are not business owners. My parents are not car people. Right. Uh, so I had an opportunity to take the shop, took the shop, had a couple guys that worked with us, but I made mistakes. I was that shop owner that wanted my guys to go to the training. I would pay for the training, but I wouldn't pay my guys to go to the training. Right, right. I wouldn't pay for the hotel. I never shut down and took everybody to vision. These were things that I didn't know about. STX, I always wanted to go to STX. The first time I got to go to STX was teaching at it. Right. Because right. as a shop owner, I was the one that was terrified and going, well, this is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be shut down on top of that. I have no revenue coming in because I thought that I had to operate on the lower end of the spectrum of pricing. Right. And I didn't understand. And then I came to ASTE yep. the, the year I shut my shop down, six right. months after I shut my shop down. Yep. And now after learning the things that I've learned from talking to Rick, from talking to other shop owners, from ASOG, ASOG really kicked off right around the right time, the same time yeah. right after I shut my shop down. Right. Because it was, it was, I was talking to uh, Scott Laster and Sean Miller, mm -hmm. and it was right before ASOG got rolling. And uh, I had long talks with them about leaving, shutting my shop down to go take this dealer job because the dealer offered me what I thought was going to be a significant offer. And it ended up not being. I got sold right. the Chrysler 200 of a, of a, of a <laughs> dealer job. <laughs> right. It's a fine vehicle. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
It's a fine vehicle as long as it sits on the lot. That's exactly right. <laughs> if you didn't expect to drive it, it's fine. And there's things like I love the multi-year engine. I, it's based, It's the same idea as a Huey, you know. But anyway, so so I had the shop. I had this opportunity, but then the dealer called me, and the dealer said, "Hey." We're going to make you this offer. We want you to come open a Ram truck shop. It's when Ram became its own brand. Right. And they made me a real significant offer to move to Charlotte. And I said, ha, huh, that's more than I'm making stressing myself out running a shop. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to run a shop. Yeah. And You don't make any more, just so you know. You just don't. No, but it's... it's uh, Even if you know how to run the shop. You still don't make any money. I'm just telling you right now. No, if you run it like flow. David runs it. <laughs> the only way you make money is if you say yes to absolutely everything. Flood the area with with the cheaper oil changes. And then you get your second and then your third shop. You got to make sure you have a business partner. And then on the second and third shop, then you get then you get good money. That's oh, I mean. I, <laughs> <laughs> but then you get a little bit of delusioned about life and then you grow a beard and you decide to walk around with your shirt untucked thinking I need to find myself (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have to explain where that just went I think what I'm just trying to explain to him like he made the right choice I would have gotten that flip out too if I knew what the hell I was doing on working on cars if I had any kind of talent on working on cars I would have gotten the hell out of this. Well, that's what he did. I know. Right? Smart. Well, sort of. Sort of. So I went and I took the dealer job and I just found out I'm I'm not built for a dealership environment. Right. Um, or at least not for that dealer group. There are probably dealer groups that I could fit in well, but. Uh, for the most part, that particular that, one was. It was just not one. And it ended up, yeah. there's, there's another guy, uh, Brandon, ended up working for the same dealer group yeah. and had the exact same experience. Yeah. And that's how Brandon and I became friends was I said, hey, this dealer group wasn't a good fit for me and this is why. Right. Um, and I said, I just want you to know that going into it. Yeah. And he tried it and it wasn't a good fit for him either. And right. so then we spent the next year going and talking for a couple hours a day on how to be self-employed. Uh, and for me, it's not self-employment. I call it, I call it be unemployable and right. be unemployable. Doesn't mean don't be a bad, it doesn't mean be a bad employee. It means find so much value in yourself right. that you value yourself higher than anybody else can value you. Yeah. Uh, and now that is a completely delusional definition of unemployable. Unemployable means that it doesn't matter how good of a job you are going to do at some point, you are going to piss whoever is paying you off. With something you did. Well, and that's. You realize that doesn't matter what situation you get yourself into, this is what is going to happen. And you will find yourself unemployed several times over and over and over again. So if you come to that realization, I'm just telling for the folks here because you're a little too um, positive. <laughs> let me let me ground this. Let me go ahead and make sure everybody understands the reality of the situation I'm talking to you. <laughs> that's going to be the real. <laughs> if you find that you find. That you are constantly unemployed over and over and over again. You are unemployable. So you need to figure out how to make money without relying on a boss to pay you. Well, and that's be unemployable. That's find the value in yourself. Oh, they have no value usually. Well, see, but that's – and now there's a difference. So there's another one and it's fun employment. That's unemployment with an extra letter in the front of it. Fun, fun employment. Fun employment. Fun employment. Fun employment is that situation where you're sitting there and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm fun employed. Well, what does fun employed mean? It means you're in control of your own destiny. Right. That's, what, that's what Zach's going through right now. Yeah. Zach is fun employed. 
Fun employed. Fun employed because Zach's gone now, gone back to school full time. And he's doing. Back to school? He went back to school. He's going to go finish his engineering degree. Who told him to do that? Uh, Probably you. Probably him. He's starting to sound guilty. He's like, oh. (laughs) Did you do that? No, I mean, I, I, I. After being in this field for so long, I went to UNC Asheville for mechatronics yeah. and then dropped out to go to the auto diesel college. And it's, it's after being in it so long, it's, there are not many other careers that offer as many opportunities as automotive. Right. It's, that doesn't answer the question. Why would you tell him to go back to school? <laughs> I, I mean, he, he doesn't want to be tied down to this field in the way that he has. But Zach is one of those people. We all love Zach. But oh, yeah, Zach is one of those people that is unemployable. Right. Uh, or not unemployable, but he's he has a strong opinion and he's going to make it known. And it's right. not always a good fit. Exactly. It does not fit in well with the but get in line. Going, and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have an aneurysm on this podcast. Poor Isaac. Blood will start shooting out of my eyeball and squirt all over his face. It'll be the turkey thing all over again. Except I mean, it'll be him. I've been to Guara shows. I'm down. <laughs> So, guar shows. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you just absolutely triggered. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I could see that. I, I mean, look, look. Zach, Zach. Ignore what everybody told you. That is, that is a key. If he goes back and gets his engineering degree, and he's an exceptional engineer, what's he going to do? He's going to go get a job. By Somebody is going to have to pay him to do engineering stuff. Hey, I need this fixed, this design quirk. And what's he going to have to deal with? Corporate politics. This strong, opinionated, thinks very well of himself, is very talented, is now going to put himself dealing with corporate BS and the politics. And Linda ate my lunch and I brought it in and she keeps eating everybody lunches. And like, he will blow his brain, metaphorically speaking, he will blow his brains out. Having to deal with that BS, why would you subject yourself to that? Like nobody I, thinks, like nobody. This I'm not blaming poor Zach, or I'm not being blaming you a little bit, but I'm saying like nobody thinks four steps ahead. How, how does this fix the problem? It does not fix the problem. So it turns out he hates being a mobile dog. Like no, so I think, no, he loves that part. That's the part that he enjoys. That okay, part so still leverage that. Out. Well, I think that's what he's doing. So he's he's leveraging that. He's finding that he's he's With going back to school. Well, going back to school. What, if you're if you're self employed or you're doing a mobile gig in that sense, and you're okay. going back to school, that allows you the time to but work with these to other businesses. There has to be an end game to the school thing. Otherwise, you're just paying to get a piece of paper that is not going to serve you in any way, shape, or form. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if he wants to be an engineer, then great. But understand that the doing of engineering stuff is not really what he's going to have to do. He's like, dude, you're going to have to go get a corporate job at some, you know, uh, aeronautics company that is going to have you design this little widget or whatever. You're going to be part of the team that helps design this. Like, you're going to have to deal with corporate BS. I just, I know myself enough that I would strangle everybody on my team. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like, I cannot, I, I, I am unemployable because I would kill anybody that, that would be around me. You want see what I'm saying? Like, the only reason why my staff tolerates me is because I pay them. <laughs> and I don't want to do the work myself. And people like money. So they will show up if I pay them to do whatever the hell it is that I don't want to do. That's how that works. See, that's unemployable. Zach, Zach. Figure out what you're really, really good at and leverage that. 
not going back to school. That is absurd. Well, my joke about this is like, yeah, so I went to UNC Asheville for mechatronics, but I dropped out because I didn't want to live in office space. Yeah. Office space yeah. did not want to be my future. And I, I talked to my teachers and the instructors and they said, look. That's a good way to put it. You it's can, going to be office space. You can do this. Well, so the cool thing, so UNC Asheville is partnered with Borg Warner because yeah. Borg Warner has the turbo facility in Asheville. Right. So the two plus two engineering degree that is partnered with NC State, you can work in the automotive field. That's what I wanted to do. I was into biofuels. I loved biodiesel. Right, right. Um, I liked hybrids, but I was really into the diesel stuff when I was a kid. I big, big into biodiesel. And I wanted to work with Borg Warner and do alternative fuels. And they said, well, look, with the degree that you're going after and what you're going to do, you're going to live in a cubicle. And I said, hmm. Don't like that. Three semesters in, I dropped out. And I went to the Nashville Auto Diesel College, uh, which I would highly encourage anybody, if you're looking at for-profit colleges, I would highly encourage you to explore your community colleges that yes. are local to you yes. and in-state first. Absolutely. Because you may find that they have the connections and the know-how and the people in your community to work with. Uh, so before you entertain a really expensive for-profit school, entertain your local community college Amen, that buddy. is involved Amen. first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I went to NADC. I graduated from there. Uh, and there was no job placement. But it was 08, too. So what jobs were there? Yeah. You know, I mean, by the time I graduated December of 08 from Auto Diesel College. And that's at the same time that they were basically shutting all the dealers down. Dealers were closing the doors. That was all in that com- couple months, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My... Dumbass moved to California because I had a place that said they were going to employ me that did biodiesel conversions in Los Angeles. And so I was like, great. I knew a girl that was out there. She, her grandmother lived there. And she said, hey, you can stay in this room for two weeks while you figure out what you're going to do. Right. Went out to Los Angeles without a car. Shop was chained closed when I went to go for the job interview. Really? It nice. no longer existed. It was, it was 08. It was that really right. rough time. Yeah. So then I went up to San Francisco. Because I had another friend there that said, hey, we're, we're all going home for the summer. And we have this house rented for the summer that our parents are paying for. If you will be around, you can have somewhere to stay for a short period of time and find a job. Yeah. So I found a job working for this guy. I'll never forget him. He's the guy who introduced me to the World Pack. But it was my first real automotive job. It was for this guy named Essie uh, Fiab. And he's on Van Ness. And it's uh, Euro Japan Auto Works in San Francisco. Okay. He took me in. I literally was handing out an application that said, I will mop floors. I will clean right. tools. I will do whatever it is I want to be in this industry at a professional right. level. And he took me in. He was amazing. I had no talent. Right. Um, I could do electrical diag, but I'd never professionally done a head gasket on a car. Right. That was not right. what I had tried. So he gave me this opportunity. Uh, I did not work out for him long term. I didn't have the talent right. that he needed. He only had me and one other tech. Right. Uh, and I was basically apprentice level that was good at electrical. Right. Um, one of the first jobs he had me do was the coolant tubes on the BMW V8. Oh. And it was one of the first jobs I ever did in automotive. Oh. Um, and that was before there was the collapsible coolant right, tube. Right, right. Um, that was difficult. And that was that yeah. was the proving grounds. And it proved that I had some growing to yeah. do. But he gave me this opportunity and he introduced me to, to, to WorldPack. And he said, look, if these parts don't come from WorldPack, they come from the dealer. And I never heard that. I came from rural North Carolina. Right, you know, whatever you can get. We put on stuff on our old Ford trucks. You know, we're keeping right. these things alive because they're farm trucks. Right. Um, this was like, no, we're working on nice cars. We work on Lexus and Porsche. Uh, he tracked Porsche cars on the weekend for fun. I mean, it was, it was, it was an awesome experience. I want to go back right. and shake his hand sometime and say thank right. you 
for basically telling me that I was not good and to force myself to be better. Right. Because um, he set my entire career path by telling me to suck it up, buttercup. Right. But he's really nice about it. Maybe right. You know, nice. A really nice kind of, <laughs> not a Dutch way, right? Not yeah, a Dutch no, way. No, I needed some of that Dutch in my life. I need right. the bullet points sometimes. I, I don't, yeah. the sugar coating doesn't work for me because I just live in this kumbaya world anyway. Obviously, Dave is already <laughs> picking me on me. The uh, Rob Morell at World Pack, Rob tells me I wear rose colored glasses. Right. And, uh, I right. do. I mean, you know, I, I want to see the positive. Uh, if you gripe on the negative all the time, you end up like David. Amen, buddy. <laughs> Amen. It's terrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, so then, then that all happened. Uh, I went to the Law Deals College, graduated, found the two shops, went and did the medium-duty, uh, heavy-duty job, and yeah, found the service opportunity, and it just it just grew. So I had that shop, and it just, it was, I wasn't doing my guys right. No. Looking back on it now, that shop could be a $2 million a year shop comfortably. Yeah. It, was, it was a 6,000-square-foot warehouse. Right. Plenty of space. Plenty yeah. of space. And it was in a commercial area, and it was in the heart of Raleigh. Where Working on what? It was FedEx, right? FedEx, FedEx was my main customer. We did 80 to 90 vans for FedEx. So that was, I mean, we only had two techs. That right. Keeps two techs plenty yeah. busy. Yeah. And uh, we were doing Sprinter oil coolers like every other week. Uh, you know, some power strokes, but I love Sprinters, Mercedes diesels. It's a great vehicle, and it's, uh, w- w- when it comes to, the future of cars, like we were talking about earlier, the fleet stuff. What do fleet customers do differently than a consumer? They repair their vehicles. There's two different questions. A consumer asks one and a fleet owner asks the other. What? How much and when? Yes. Yeah. The fleet yeah. owner asks when, the consumer asks how much. Yeah. yeah. And we've all been on both sides of that. You know, we look Absolutely. at these vehicles and we laugh and we go, well, it's just a car. Do you want to fix it or not? You know, like we... we we have to emotionally separate ourselves from the customers. And that's, that's the part of my business that I yeah. failed at. I stayed emotionally involved in my customer's wallet. Right. Man, and it's tough. It's tough. It's just the type of person I am. I sit there right. and I feel like I take everything very personally when it came to yeah. a customer's situation. Not a good business practice. Then I met Rick, took some of these classes here at ASTE, and it changed the direction of everything. Right. And I went... Well, now I can help other businesses. And so that's when I changed right. to doing business to business only. And right. uh, that's been good because I get to support local shops and see them right. thrive and, and encourage them to come to these events. So your career path became much different. Uh, inner world pack, inner CTI, your career path became a completely different animal than what most people could ever envision. A, a technician in this world coming to work on cars could never envision getting where you are now. I would have never thought it myself. I didn't know that right. this was possible. I didn't even know that this was an option. Right. Um, and it's a fun option. Let's, let's make it clear here. It is not an option. You stay at my shop and you do the work that I'm asking you to do and keep taking my money and we'll just leave it at that. Don't get some harebrained idea. I'm going to go be an instructor for WTA. Well, I'm just saying like he, he's, he's had you don't crack. What is wrong with you? Unless your shop is garbage, then apply it. Lucas's shop. He's looking for somebody. You still, no, you're, you're staffed up. Aren't you? I'm staffed up for right now. I'm sorry. Wait, aren't you guys, didn't you guys say always be hiring? Yes. Yeah. I'd, you're not fully staffed up. There's just not that. the right opportunity for that, the right person. Yet. That's right. That's right. David, David doesn't hire. He hates I'm, people. I don't, who's the, always be hiring. Who says that? Rick White. Does he really? Yeah. 
And, and some others say that, that too. I, I think it's a I'm going to get into them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I went for the medium duty place, so, so think about 08. It was an employer's world in 08, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was. So you sit there as an employer and you don't like a technician. What do you do? I, th- this is one thing that's stuck with me more forever. outside the door, yeah. The guy that I worked for was not my favorite person in the world. It's why I went out and opened my business. But I worked a 14-hour day. And he didn't like that I was done at 14 hours on a 100-degree day in July. And uh, he basically was like, you know, I got to stack applications like this. Nice. And now the tables have turned. Mm-hmm. Tables they have, have turned. I went out there and I can go, I have a stack of job offers uh, like yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, that is a fact. That's, why, that's what I'm saying. The mentality to always be hiring is um, stupid. Why is that stupid? Why, why? Why is that stupid? Why would Why would it be stupid to put yourself out there as a shop owner and say, "Hey, this may not be the right time, but if you drop your resume off and something comes up in the future, I'm going to keep it because I like who you are and I'm just not ready because, to have." Because when they have job offers this thick, everybody has their resume on on file and they're ready. You know, at least the good places, the good businesses. They're going to keep that person, and they're going to go. They're going to tap into it. the The always be hiring mentality comes from you never know when it's time to let go of somebody because they have dropped off in productivity, they have dropped off in attitude, they are now a cancer in the shop. Yep. There's a problem with the employee, and you want to have somebody ready to go that you don't drop off in productivity in the shop. And this is true of any business. Like, you know, previously that was always the mentality is always be hiring because when I ran my stores, like it's you always take applications because you never know when a more talented, better fitting employee walks in the door. And all of a sudden, the low man on the on the talent pool is expendable. That is not our current job market no (laughs) and so your focus shouldn't be always high always be hiring your focus should be talent retention and talent development and that should be the majority of your focus i would agree with expanding the business and growing it is one thing hey i'm gonna open up a space for two for one more tech i need to hire somebody Okay, in that sense, yeah, you want to be always be taking applications. You want to be having conversations. You want to be out. Social media is big, like the Gary V thing. Put yourself out there. Have personal conversations. Have good connections. Um, that part is true in a sense, but the traditional always be hiring is that's not where it's coming from. The, where it's coming from is you don't like that tech and you've just been waiting for a moment to get rid of that tech and uh, it's somebody more talented came in the door. Guy you've been talking to for a couple of years and he said, hey man, I'm looking for it. It's like, I got a spot for you. Little Timmy, little Timmy, you uh, your day is numbered here. What? Is this the same Timmy that you fed to the bear? Technician Timmy. Technician Timmy, that's that's the one that survived the bear, fought the bear off because apparently they're easy to fight off. Just swat it in the face. Just swat it in the face. That's what Juan says he does with you. <laughs> swats me in the face. Yeah, says he swats the bear away. <laughs> Dick. So yeah, I don't. I yeah, I'm sure the the coaches are saying that, but I hope they're not. What is what's that? You. 
Listen, it's, it's cute that the thing you're eating the what, but damn, man, come on, I can't, I can't like cut that out. <laughs> It'll be okay. I hope they're not really pushing that. They'll well, always so, be coaching or always be hiring things. Well, so my thought behind always be hiring was much. So, again, I have the rose-colored glasses on, right? So mm. my thought of always be hiring is opportunity, not I'm looking to get rid of somebody. But, but that's my personal thing. That's, that's me. I don't ever – getting rid of somebody is the most difficult thing for me yeah. to do. It's, yeah. again, not Absolutely. something that's a natural talent to me connecting with someone and making that connection and wanting to someone to be part of a team that's mine like i never use the word employee i hate the word employee i like the word team member nobody works for me everybody works with me right because yep. it's the mentality and that was what, but that's that's that weird hippie that, culture that, sounds, that i grew into no that's weird hippie culture right up until you're like well that, that sounds great until you have to cut that paycheck and you're like I, well, Lazy ass spent three, three, four hours this week in the bathroom, but I still got to beat this goddamn paycheck. See, and that stuff, that there stuff. You go, team member. So, be part of the team from the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, it was an adult store up front. <laughs> that was not the bathroom, I think. Okay, that was the media room. <laughs> the uh, was so for me that it's it's it's, it's very much. Uh, I, I don't know the 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 idea of having somebody as part of a team writing a check. So for me, I was paid flat rate, but I tried to pay a high flat rate. Now mm-hmm. I know flat rate is kind of broken, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it then. Again, I was not a great shop owner. Yeah. I was a tech turned shop owner out of necessity, yeah. uh, which is how many of us got started yeah. and, yep. and learned mm-hmm. yep. how we got forced into having to learn about business, but. For, for me, the whole thing about the idea of a team member and all that is I loved when I wrote checks and they were for over $1,000 a week. Yeah. That was yeah. the happiest day in the world for me was to sit there and say everybody made $1,000 a week. Yes. That was cool. And now I would like to think that now that I would say, well, $1,000 a week, I'd like to think that I could pay them well more than that now. Right. Um, yeah. But back then, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing in 2012. You know, right. I'm writing a two thousand dollar check to a technician working for me in 2012. Just, I mean, it, it made me happier than going home. I never look at what I make. Right. Uh, there have been years where I didn't pay myself. I made sure that my techs they all got paid. Uh, again, I, I never read Profit First when I owned a shop. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read the abridged version called Profit Last. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't need that. It's fine. Just spend it all. I still drive a $1,500 jalopy. Uh, you know. Um, hey, I do too. I don't care. Doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. No. No, I, don't I drive whatever. a new van. I, I drive a nice minivan. It's very nice. And then my wife smashed the crap out of it. <laughs> well, and you smashed the crap out of it as well. Or is was that the other? That got one? fixed. That was insurance. It got fixed. The other thing, my wife backing into that ram. So you didn't see it behind you. I didn't see my hands. It's a camera on the back of the van with a screen. You see this? I, this is what I put up with, right? This is what I put up with. <laughs> you need to wear some of Isaac's rose-colored glasses. Is what you need to do. I'm a pretty positive person. You? I, yeah, until I show up with you and my well, life goes. I don't think you're overly positive or, or overly negative. I think you're just kind of in the middle. Waiting for it all to end. No, that's very negative. <laughs> that's very negative. No, it's perfectly positive. 
Are you waiting for it all to end? No, I waited for it to begin every day. See, That's there it. you go. He's excited <laughs> for it. See what I mean? That's very negative. Maybe I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah, God Almighty. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.